Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 144 of Midweek Metagame. I'm your regular co-host, Patrick Robertson, joined by Gabriel Nassif. Hey, Pat. Hey, everyone. Hey, Gab. How are you doing, mate? Good, good, good. Excited yeah. to talk about the, the new cards, the new sets. Yeah, that's right. Uh, no Harry this evening. He's uh, indisposed, shall we say. And uh, so just Gab and I are going to go over... Okay, so basically... All the cards we think are particularly exciting from uh, the new Dominaria set, Dominaria United, which is out on Magic, Line, Magic Online and Arena as of today. We're going to cover standard, modern, and Pioneer formats, and you can probably bundle Explorer up in uh, Pioneer as well. Uh, but before we get into everything, we are going to thank Card Market. Card Market are our sponsor of this podcast. It is a great place for you to go and spend money buying, selling, and trading uh Trading card game paraphernalia, not just Magic, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, Flesh and Blood, etc., etc. But you go there; they've been fantastic sponsors of the cast for a while now, and you know, you know the drill. Go and give them some, give them some patronage so that we can uh, say, say that it's a, worth their while paying us money. And uh, we also like to thank uh, our, our Patreons. So if you want to support the podcast directly, you can go to midweek uh, patreon.com/slash midweek metagame. And we actually have a new patron this week, so thanks very much, Ian, for getting involved and helping out. Yeah, thanks, and, Ian. Yeah, and and Ian, so Ian, Ian's gone into the Discord, and that's, that's we should probably shout out to the Discord in particular. So the Discord is an open open place; you don't have to be a patron to get involved, but there are perks for being a patron there. But get involved, get in the conversation, ask us questions. We're all around at any point in time. So, I mean, this is probably going to be a relatively long episode. Structure is going to be as so. We're going to go through color by color, and Gavin is going to alternate, you know, talking about introducing and talking about cards from the latest set. And we're going to talk about any format in particular as it comes up. So, yeah, we're not going to break it into, into segments. And then we'll probably do a little top five list at the end. Gab, do you want to kick off? Why don't you kick off? Because I didn't even have that first card on my list. All right. So the first card on my list is White, Anointed Peacekeeper. So we're going to, we're going to read cards as well because it's relatively new for all of us. So Anointed Peacekeeper is a three mana. So two colors and one white. Three, three, creature, human, cleric. It has vigilance. When it enters the battlefield, look at their hand. Sorry, as, as an anointed battle, uh, peacekeeper enters the battlefield, look at the opponent's hand and then name a card. Uh, spells of the spells the opponent's cast with the chosen name cost two more colors to cast, and activated abilities of creatures with of of sources with the chosen name cost two more to cast, unless they manner abilities. So, uh, maybe starting in the context of standard, I see cards like uh, uh, what is the name of the three one flyer. That uh, looks at their hand. Elite Spellbinder. Elite Spellbinder, yeah. PV, PV is kind of a world's winning card. It's rotating out of standard. This is a natural kind of uh, point of comparison to that. Uh, it's a pretty disruptive, disruptive effect in a format like standard. Um, I, I think it's, it lines up really well against cards like uh, the Wandering Emperor, which I think gives it a little bit of legs in other formats where Wandering Emperor is a particularly powerful card like Pioneer. Is this, so this wasn't on your list of things to talk about in um, uh, Gab. So what is it about it, about this card that made you skeptical, I guess? I just wasn't a fan that when it dies, the tax doesn't work anymore compared to PV's card, and it doesn't have evasion. But it is nice that it doesn't die to cut down, which is the, the near removal spell. Maybe we should get that one on, out of the way because it's probably going to come back pretty often. Cut down, cut down is a black instant speed um kill a creature destroy target creature that has power plus toughness combined five or less so 
You can kill yeah. up to a free two, a two free, a four one, etc. Yeah, right. So yeah, particularly in the context of standard, that's a that's a really important card to kind of have it have in your mind when we're thinking about how we're evaluating creatures in particular in standard, because that's going to be a good threshold for is this card particularly good in standard or not if it trades efficiently or blanks cut down. Yeah. No, maybe I was a bit low on that card. It seems okay. Certainly agree. I, I agree with you that the kind of you know the fact that the you know like meddling mage, if you remove the creature, the, the the taxing effect goes away. I just think that it lines up nicely against a couple of particularly important things. Like if you get it down early and there, and your opponent is trying to cast Liliana of the Veil, it's really disruptive there. Can you mention five mana for Lily and then two mana to activate it again? There's a bunch of good planeswalkers in this set, and I think it, it lines up particularly well against them. Uh, it doesn't line up so well against a card like Lightning Strike, which is uh, also being reprinted here. It's going to be pretty impactful in standard, but yeah, I, I think this is a card that's going to going to going to make some impact in, in, in standard. And I'd be curious to see if it if it lines up okay in like what you know mono white in Pioneer or something like that. Uh, you want to move on to the next card? Uh, sure. I just wanted. Yeah, I guess stress that the third point of toughness is pretty huge, and it might make the card playable. No cut down, it blocks Squee, it, it blocks Fable Token, so maybe this card's going to be good enough if there's a a decent aggro deck in, in, in Standard. Um, next card we have... This is going to be a long episode. Guardian of New Benalia. Guardian of New Benalia is a 2-2 for white and one human soldier. It has Enlist, which is a bit like Banding, but not really. Basically, a creature that has Enlist uh, says that you can tap a non-attacking creature you control without summoning Sickness, and you add its power to this creature's until end of turn. So if you played a 2-1-on-1, one -one, you play Guardian of New Benalia. On turn 3, you can tap that 2-1 to make it a 4-2. Which, you know, maybe your one's getting blank, but now your guardian's getting through. And whenever it enlists a creature, you get to scry to. So that's nice. And really important, you can discard a card to make it gain indestructible until the end of turn, and you have to tap it, which means that you know your two your your two 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 one wouldn't be getting through, but now you have a four two, you can attack with it, you get to scry and they can block, but you just get to save your, your guardian. So yeah, seems seems like pretty pretty decent rate for a card. Uh, I just kind of had it on my list because because yeah, because it seems like you know pretty decent getting through indestructibles annoying. Uh, scry when you're playing aggro, you know low land count. You're pretty susceptible to flood and screw. Um, if there's a supporting cast, if there's some good one drops, it might be good. Maybe maybe it works well with haste creatures, but white's not really known for haste. I don't know. Do you, you have any thoughts? Any other thoughts? I mean, do you see any impact for this outside of outside of standard? Um, it is the the right type? It is human. I, yeah. I haven't really thought honestly that much about. I played a bit of standard during the early access event, so I know that I've played with some of the cards and against some of the cards in that context. Outside of standard, you know, the humans are are just so good in modern. Enlist, you, you play Hierarch, but you can't enlist a zero power creature, so that doesn't work very well. Yeah, I think the barrier for the barrier for entry in modern is is far too high for this card. I, I do wonder in Pioneer if it's got some legs as a an extra copy of you know a card like Season Hollow Blade, which you know where the discard the discard effect 
is uh, got some value if you're trying to use Grease Fang, but also you know, is, a, is a solid creature against you know, decks that are trying to cast Wrath of God. So maybe you want extra copies of that card. Though the the lack of, the, the two power and not three power makes it a bit rough because it doesn't crew a card like uh, yeah it, it doesn't crew Sky Sovereign from Council Flagship which is a a, a, a big factor in yeah in these Grease Fang decks yeah I, I don't see much action for this outside of uh, outside of standard but it is a good aggressive card that is persistent as well yeah you want to go next it's your turn. I do. Sorry, I was just bringing out my list of things. <laughs> okay, next card I have on my list is Leyline Binding, which is a card that a lot of people have been talking about in, in fact, all, all the three formats that we're going to discuss today. So Leyline Binding is a six mana enchantment with flash. It has one white and five colors to cast. It has domain. This card spell costs one colorless less to cast for each land, basic land type amongst the lands you control. And when it enters the battlefield, exile non-land permanent your opponent controls until Leyline Binding leaves the battlefield. So this is a, an Oblivion Ring with Flash, and it can cost as little as one mana if you have access to all five basic land types. With the printing of the new Triomes in uh, the, the streets of New Capenna, and obviously the ones from Ikoria, uh, you can cast this for one mana on as, as early as turn two in format like Modern, where you have access to fetch lands, and also you know, in Pioneer as well. And you know, the fact that it has Flash, kind of universal removal spell, makes it a relatively powerful option. Do you, do you see? Do you see? Do you think this like on its on face value, this card is uh, kind of modern power level? Like you play it, in a, maybe want to play it in a, a deck like Blue White Control or the five color or four sorry four color Omnath deck. Yeah, I wasn't super impressed at first, but I think it could be. It doesn't kill a Ragavan on turn one, which is obviously a, a big downside if you're looking at a deck like Massive four. Top. Yeah, four color. You got on the whole heat and ending, and you're really in your your removal to be cheap and to be able to to kill a Ragavan. But it is really versatile, flash, and it will. I think I will see. I think I will see play. I played with it a bit in standard. It, it was it was decent. You know, you can even cast it on turn two in standard. Technically, you need to get a little lucky. But yeah, I had a uh, had people submit lists. Was you know playing blue white control and just splashing a bunch of triumphs just to reduce the cost of leyline binding. Yeah, and th that that sort of deck building, those sort of deck building decisions uh, also power up a card like um, you know Prismatic Ending. Uh, one thing that's uh, that we haven't mentioned is kind of synergies with a cheap to cast, expensive enchantment. And the card that jumps to mind with me with me for that is Enigmatic Incarnation, which is from a relatively recent set. I couldn't tell you what set it's actually from. It might be from Theros because it's enchantment themed. The most recent Theros set. Anyway, it's uh, the enchantment that says, like, at the end, in your end step, you sacrifice an enchantment, then you search your library for a creature with mana cost one greater than the enchantment you sacrificed. And that's a kind of like four or five color um, deck. And, you know, a kind of fringe player in Pioneer, kind of in that Niv Mizzet kind of space where you're, you know, building some kind of, you know, large engine that go goes over the top of a lot of decks. And Leyline Binding is a perfect kind of uh, complement to that where you, you know, can eat their eat their, their, their Troublesome Permanent early on, and then on turn four you can cast Enigmatic Incarnation and turn it into a 7-drop creature from your deck. And there's probably plenty of 7-drop creatures that you could use to just completely take over the game at that point. If you're talking about turn three or turn four. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can, so yeah, there's, Agent yeah, can you think of anything? Yeah, Agent of Treachery and Titan are the two big ones. Oh, very good. Yeah, Titan of Industry. Is that Titan the one? Titan of Industry and 
agent of treachery, yeah. Yeah, those are pretty good choices. But, you know, obviously the, the options are somewhat endless for powerful seven drops in Magic's history. So, yeah, I think it's got a little bit of, um, little bit of a chance there. It's a kind of combo piece in, in some respect. It also plays defense at the same time. And, you know, if history's got anything to tell us, when your combo pieces are actually good Magic cards, when you're, when you're not actually comboing off, that's a recipe for success. Yeah, it's kind of a shame it's not a gold card because you would want to play it in Niv and not not being able to hit it of Niv yeah. is a downside. I wonder yeah, if it's going to make... Gold card. Yeah, I guess it, the first deck that comes to mind for me is four-color Omnaf. You know, is the Omnaf deck going to want a card like Leyline Binding? Sure, it might it might cost two mana, but at two mana, it's still really, really good removal if, if I knew I could always cast it on turn two. It gets rid, yeah. it gets rid of a Ren and Six. I mean, it gets bounced by Teferi, Time Raveler, obviously. So there's always that downside with this kind of removal, but it, it seems it seems pretty good. Yeah, I mean, just one one mana universal removal is nothing. You shouldn't overlook one mana universal removal spells. I think yeah. maybe it doesn't necessarily make the cut or in large numbers, but it's a very 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 powerful thing. Yeah. Next up, what you got next? Yeah, I was just going to compare it to March of Otherworldly Lights a bit. Yeah, that's a nice comparison actually. March could get a turn on Ragvan, and it could get Urza Saga. This card cannot. Not yet a, a, an Urza Saga, obviously it says non-land, but two, two mana, you can probably get, you know, to cast it on turn two very consistently in four color, and that seems like like a decent rate, but do, do you have room for more spot removal is, is kind of a question. Uh, yeah. All right, so next we have very cool card, Sarah Paragon. Three, four flying for two white and two, so four mana, and it has the text of once during each of your turns, you may play a land from your graveyard or cast a permanent spell with mana value three or less from your graveyard. If you do, it gains when this permanent is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, exile it, and you gain two life. So first thing that comes to mind is modern, bringing back Urza's bubble, bringing back fetch lands. You only get to do the bubble trick once. You bring back the bubble, you sack it, it gets exiled. You do gain two life. It seems almost impossible to lose against a deck like Burn if you just curve anything reasonable into Paragon, bring back a bubble, gain two. Burn's not a big part of the meta, but it is. Uh, it just seems like decent value. It's kind of card that you know might end up not seeing a ton of play in Standard or Pioneer, but because of Fetchlands, because of Bubble, could see could see in Modern it it survives Lightning Bolt, which is nice. It's not super easy to get rid of with Prismatic Ending. You can get value right away. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not sure who wants who wants Sarah Paragon really in their deck. The the four color map deck have started playing a uh, Bubble, so maybe there. And yeah, just cold card overall. Yeah, I mean the obvious can. The obvious kind of parallels to Lurus, uh, you know, you know, hard, hard to ignore. Uh, yeah, interacting with Bauble and and with uh, Fetchlands is pretty powerful. Th having it be uh, permanent with three mana, three mana or less, is uh, exciting as well. Getting to rebuy maybe like a Teferi in in the mid game when you have a lot of mana available is is, is yeah, it's, it's hard to overlook. But yeah, what deck is it? Where where is its natural home? I I don't know. I can't imagine a world where it's it's particularly good in a format like Pioneer or or Standard without access to a fetch land or a or a relevant zero mana play. But yeah, in in modern it might just be like a kind of 
two of that you put in like a mid-range white deck. I mean, there have been these kind of like Aether Vile white decks in the past and they, you know, they, they struggle on power level, but this is, this is a particular, particularly, you know, good recent, you know, grindy card that they could, they could utilize at their top end. You know, some of them play Restoration Angel, but I think this is, this is probably more, more impactful than Restoration Angel in a format like Modern these days. Yeah, I like that it dodges Mystical Dispute. That's always a, a nice bonus. If you look at four yeah. color, a lot of your top end just gets disputed. Mm, yeah, that's 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 nice. Yeah, it, it, it's all, it's kind of nice to do it, like you know weave the other way when your opponents are kind of got got powerful and kind of well defined sideboard sideboard cards for you. Yeah, it also has flying. It blocks against hammer time. Sometimes you just have to tap out for a card and just kill you with Nexus. So flying's always nice. I don't know. It kind of could line up can line up decently. Who knows? Maybe you start playing a. Uh, Blue white control. You find some bubbles. You you bring back to fairy, as you said. I don't know. Hope, I hope that card sees play. It's it's a nice mid range card. All right. Next card we got on the list is temporary lockdown. So temporary lockdown is an enchantment that costs two white and one colorless. Uh, when a temporary lockdown enters the battlefield, exile each non land permanent with mana value two or less until temporary lockdown leaves the battlefield. So this is the kind of Portable hole of sweepers, and I like this card. I think this card's got applications in most formats. Actually, I think it's probably pretty good in pretty good in standard, and also has home in cyborg and modern. You know, if, if it, you know, start starting at the kind of the older formats where I've got the more experience, I see this is a powerful cyborg card out of white mid range and control decks against hammer time. Uh, particularly, it's good against affinity as well. You can bring it in against burn if you want that kind of. You know, turn four is a long time to wait until a sweeper, and having access to a reliable three mana sweeper against a deck like Burn is pretty good at clearing out Eidolons, Monastery Swift Spears, etc. Uh, it, it tags Ragavans, it tags Ledger Shredders, all this sort of stuff. It's probably pretty good against Death Shadow as well. You know, can exiles Croxes and this sort of stuff. And a lot of those decks don't have a good way of removing it, so it really, it really can just pick up you know a, a reasonable two for one or more than that if you're playing against these decks that put a lot of cheap permanents into play. This is a card that I would expect to see sideboard play in formats, you know, as far back as modern. Uh, yeah. But do, do you see any kind of application for it in, say, standard or, or anything like that? It could be good in standard. I know the list, the list, the control list I was trying out had a couple usually, and the card was okay. It is really bad with portable hole. That's the big downside if you're looking to play that card in, in Pioneer. If you look at the Blue-white control decks in Pioneer right now, they play four portable hole, so you're going to have to pick. I'm not really sure you can play these cards at the same time, but it, it does work well with Leyline Binding, you know, costing six mana. It is, it might be at its best in, in Modern because Blue-white control doesn't play portable hole, you know, they play Ending, Fire Ice, etc., so you're not screwing yourself over, and it is really, could be a really high impact. So... Yeah, I think I'll see a bit of play in, 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 in standard if control is decent. I'll see some play in, um, it could see some play in modern. It could be good against all the sag decks. Uh, gets rid of Anvil, it gets rid of the annoying enchantment to out of the burn deck after sideboard. So, yeah, that was, that was a card, one of the cards people were talking the most about as well. I, I really, I really dislike Divine Purge, which is, the, the the arena cards the white one one sweeper you exile everything and they cost they cost they cost two more to cast and come into play tab but this one this one's pretty clean 
you have you have to build your deck around but you know if you're willing to give up portable hold then it could be really good okay, right. anything else in, anything else in white you want to talk about no, i think that was it for white very good yeah i'll let you take the first blue card then all right first blue card not sure it's the greatest but blue blue academy lore master two blues for two free human wizards at being of each player's draw step, that player may draw an additional card if they do spells they cast this turn cost two more to cast. So you play it and then they choose do they want to draw an extra card, but then their spells cost two more to cast, or do they, you know, want to just play their spell? So I thought it could be cute because if you play that in a deck with all instant speed, you don't suffer from the drawback and your opponent's deck might not be built that way. And they might suffer, but Standard has cut down and lightning strike amongst others, so that's instant speed. So you don't even really get punished that much here. Or you can just pay the free mana to kill it and you know your opponent's up a card. Um I don't know, it has good types, human wizards, that's always always a bonus. But um yeah, I guess I hmm. I, I, I should probably not even have it on the list. <laughs> you talk yourself out of it already. I mean, I think the card's really cool. I think it's a really cool piece of design. I like the body it's on. Like it's you know, got a, a body that at least blocks mm-hmm. and trades in on turn two if need be. I, I agree with you though that the uh, the your opponent just kind of untapping, drawing two cards, spending their turn three killing it and attacking you with their one drop and their two drop is a pretty bad outcome for you. But you know, the kind of the application maybe maybe the maybe the application is out of the sideboard against kind of uh against decks that aren't set up to to play against it so you know decks that are, don't just want to be tapping out main phase at post board they're going to cut a lot of removal spells and you bring in the kind of the body the warm body that also lets you break you break this you break the parity with your instant speed removal maybe it's less against like direct aggro decks like mono red or something but more against say something like you know, red black anvil or something like that and kind of these kind of grindy uh aristocrat style decks that want to spend all their mana on their main phase but don't have a large amount of removal and you you also need a tool to kind of keep pace card advantage wise against them so i can see sideboard applications for this card yeah you're being very generous i'm known for my generosity All right, you had next a card that I didn't have on my list. Right, okay, another one. Another three drop that you didn't have on your list. This is another card with great creature types, Human Wizard. Uh, It's Aether Channeler. It costs one blue and two colors. It's a Human Wizard, as I said. It's a 2-1. And when it enters the battlefield, you choose one of three options. Uh, You make a 1-1 white bird creature token with flying. You return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand, or you draw a card. Uh, These are three sick abilities. It's a three-mana creature it's good against Liliana and I see a lot of application for this as a role player across both standard and in pioneer. Yeah. I don't have anything more to say than that. I feel like it's just underwhelming. You would never play a card that only has one of these modes, even the draw card one. And you had kind of Kellis blood mage, which was in the black one. It drew you a card, lost your life, exiled the graveyard and, did something else, maybe also made some kind of token. It made, it made a pest token. Yeah, and that card was never very good, so I'm I'm really not seeing it, but maybe maybe in standard, maybe at standard power level, it is nice that it can return the, the Kiki Jiki Fable token, 
it blocks Squee, it gives you an extra creature against Liliana of the Veil to sack, so maybe 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 for standard? Yeah, I think I would start at standard in terms of its impact. And then if I was building a kind of Bant Company style deck in Pioneer, it would be a card that I would definitely choose to include. I think it's just got a, it's a, one of those, it's really easy when you're building a company decks to fill it with kind of great hits in, in situational, like great situational hits. You're like, oh, I'm going to put a bunch of reflective mages in my deck. And when I, when they've got some creatures to play, I'll company the reflective mage and that'll really ruin them. But you, or you might put spell queller in or something like that. Things that are kind of, you know, in circumstance specific, but Aether Channel is like a great hit in all, in all situations. Like if you need extra bodies, if you need to deal with permanence, or if you just want to keep that, keep the cards rolling. I just really like it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. What all else right. you got? Next we have Combat Research. It's an aura for one blue. Enchant Creature. Enchanted Creature has whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. And on top of that, it has, as long as Enchanted Creature is legendary, it gets plus one, plus one, and has Ward one. So it's an enhanced curiosity, right? Yeah, it's a little bit... If it, if it creates legendary, it's Curious Obsession with extra, plus extra. Yeah. Can you think of any good one-mana legends you might want to enchant? Maybe not one mana legends, but I would be interested in putting on SRAM. Uh, that's obviously a card that works pretty well in Enchantress style decks. Um, it could be the sort of thing you want to put on. It's just not, not boggles necessarily, but like I've seen there's blue white aura decks in formats like uh, Historic on Arena. There's um, I've actually played against in Pioneer blue white heroic decks uh, quite often. And, you know, but there's a slip out the back, which is a card from Streets of New Capenna, which is kind of, you know, there's, there's an increasing number of cards that grant hexproof or evasion or, or, or you know, kind of protection from removal that have been printed in blue recently. And so, you know, I've seen kind of these, you know, build a giant creature with a bunch of auras, style decks, try blue, blue spells out uh, and for, for a bit of interaction and also for these curious, curiosity effects. And so this is another one of those. And... Yeah, I can't think of many legend, m many legends that I would like to put it on, but SRAM is the one that jumps to mind first. Do you have any? What about Ragavan? I mean, does Ragavan need to need to, need to be better when it connects? Yeah, I mean, protects it from Ren and Six. It does protect it from Ren and Six. That's kind of insane. I can't. Nah, there's no way I'm allow I'm allowing that as. <laughs> that's 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 the circumstance we're gonna play this. Plus, you'll have you'll have Chandler, which is another one drops. Yeah, you, you have several one drops. A little miser is all one of. Just a little miser to live the dream. Okay, all right, all right. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> People are going to try it. People are going to throw it. And I'm going to get absolutely wrecked, but I'll be like, oh, this ragman's going to hit me. But like, uh, yeah. it'll be okay. It's only a treasure token. They can't possibly hit a spell. <laughs> and they yeah. just combat research, and I just, I'll just concede. It'll, that'll be the end of me. It'll be the first match of Magic Online I play for like the last couple of weeks, and I'll just log on and immediately log back off. <laughs> Gab was right. That's the end of me. I officially retired. <laughs> All right. Next card on my list. Oh, on the list, actually. This card was not on my list, but it is Urtai's Scorn. So, I'm just trying to find it. There it is. Wait. No, that's not it. Where's Urtai's Scorn? There it is. Oh, yeah. Cool. All right, this one. So, Urtai's Scorn is an instant. It costs blue, blue, and one. Uh, it's a counter-target spell. It's cancel. But... It costs one less to cast if your opponent casts two or more spells this turn. 
so it's cancelled. But if you get in the combat, if you get in a, a counter war or uh, your opponent's kind of trying to play two spells against you, it's a two mana hard counter, which can't see application to this in a format outside of standard. But if you're looking for a counter spell in standard and you're willing to pay three mana on the front end, this has got plenty of upside. Yeah, that's why I included it standard. I played a few blue decks, and I think that's the best kind of hard counter in standard right now. Yeah, so have all the um, scry style ones rotated now? Yeah, I think so. I, I know uh, I looked at the counter spells, and I think if you want something that's not essence scatter, negate, etc., etc., um, or scorn, and the, the upside is not irrelevant. You know, it'll come up here and there. So decided to include it in the list, but obviously. Not not a game changer. Next, though, we have a sweet card. Is it going to see play? I'm not sure, but Impulse. They brought back Impulse. Card that I was... I'm just disappointed they didn't bring back the Shuffle Your Library afterwards clause. Wait, what? Yeah, so, but why don't you read Impulse first, and then I'll tell you about the Shuffle Library clause. <laughs> Is it some kind of like cheating story or something? Oh, absolutely not. So, no, no. All right. uh, it's a blue All and right. one impulse instant. Look at the top four cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Right. Okay. So just to, to, to get it out of the way, the visions printing of impulse. Impulse is a card from a very long time ago that, you know, Gab and I probably both cast when we were in high school. Or well, I would have been, wouldn't have even been in high school. No. Um, the original printing in visions has, after put the cards in the library, on the bottom of your library in any order. It has shuffle your library afterwards. Really? Yeah, and it was immediately eroded, basically. How did I but when I was when I was that? a kid, when I was a kid and I would cast impulse, like well when we were, were casting impulse in my friends group, we looked at the top four cards, picked one, put the four on the bottom, and then shuffled our library. I <laughs> and then one day I turned up at the local store, they're like, yeah, you don't need to do that. <laughs> That's not part of the text of the card. Yeah. Anyway. Reprint of an old cantrip, and like cantrips have been getting kind of like they're better and better and better and better gradually. I mean, we had Shimmer of Possibility, which is Impulse, but a sorcery that got printed in the last set, and that seemed like fringe play in some combo decks in Pioneer. But Impulse is tried and true. It's a really powerful card. Digging four deep and getting a card at instant speed is a great way to spend mana that you did not use when you pass a turn. Um, I can imagine this card making an impact in formats like Pioneer. I can imagine it making an impact in a format like Standard. If if Gab wants Cancel in his deck, he's probably also going to have Impulse in his deck. Um, it's not. It hasn't been legal in Modern up until this point. And, you know, we, we, if you think about a deck like Storm, Storm would play Peer Through Depths, which is like, looks at the top five cards and you choose an instant or sorcery and put them on the bottom. And this at least lets you find lands as well. Like, it's got, it's comparable in power level there. Impulse is a pretty powerful, pretty damn powerful magic card. I wonder how it's how like it stacks up against modern day magic, but it's got a pedigree of being very powerful, and so it's worth trying. In my yeah, opinion. I mean, you'll definitely see playing Pioneer since people play Shimmer of Possibility, which is impulse at sorcerer speed. People play that card in the Lotus Field combo deck, and I felt like back in the day it was more of a card you would throw in your combo deck. I mean, you could play it in a control blue deck, but not impacted the board was, you know, not, not being a counter spell, not impacting the board is, is kind of a big deal. Whereas in the combo, you're just busy kind of trying to find your combo pieces. 
Um, but yeah, I, I was actually silent for a second because I was looking up the, the original art of Impulse. I just never really realized, knew, maybe I've forgotten. But uh, yeah, it does say shuffle, shuffle afterwards. Um, yeah, I can see that card seeing uh, maybe, maybe playing standard as well, but probably not in, in modern. Anticipate has been played uh, in very small numbers in, in a few decks in, in historic. I think at some point there was Anticipate in some decks, some decks on Arena. So I'll, I'll see some play. Yeah, I mean, I've shame, shameful to admit it, but I've tried to cast Anticipate many many times in my life and hoped it would be good but it never has been but four cards is way better than three yeah i agree, I agree with you though I, my memory of impulses in one part trying to people tr digging for combo pieces but i do remember it in the the cult, like old like beulah blue style decks which is really just like a dated very very dated reference yeah i feel like it was never in my mono blue control decks uh i think it's saw play in maybe extended os of druid you play that card it was decent mm. combo was brainstorm too you could yeah. put back two and then yeah and this was this was kind of pre-era when like fetch lands were fetch lands were available yeah it was um actually a lot of my just just to diverse and make this, this episode longer than it needs to be but a lot of my knowledge of that kind of era of magic is from the world championship decks because you know obviously i wasn't i didn't like have access to the internet or all these all, all these uh, vast collections of cards in that period of time. And I certainly wasn't going to tournaments because I was just a kid. But we had these world championship decks that we would play against one another. And Impulse was definitely one of them because there was a Beulah Blue version. And there was also, I think, an Oath of Druids uh, deck that also had that had Impulse in it. So we cast a lot of impulse, gold border Impulses when I was a kid. Yeah. So, so I've always had a soft spot for that card. Yeah. And the, the original art is, is pretty good too. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, obviously. All right. Next card, Joint Exploration. One blue, one colorless, instant. Probably about as good as Impulse. Right, has Kicker for one green. So we all know what Kicker does at this stage. Uh, the text is Scry 2, then draw a card. That's its base rate. And if a spell was kicked, you can put a land card from your hand into the battlefield. So three mana Growth Spiral with Scry 2, but you can also just cycle it for Scry 2, draw a card. Uh, obviously this card's not quite as good as Growth Spiral, you know, it can't really be as good as Growth Spiral because it's a three mana, three mana ramp spell. But I think in a format like Standard, this is pretty good. I love the, I love the the ability to turn your like mid game or like you know this turn four, turn five Growth Spiral effect into a genuine land drop, which is something that Growth Spiral kind of struggled with, right? Like on turn two, it's really easy for you to go like you know end of turn Growth Spiral, play a land, have four mana on my turn, do whatever I need to do. But when you are like on turn four, cast Growth Spiral, turn five, cast Growth Spiral. Whether you having another land wasn't necessarily a given, and so it didn't continue ramping you beyond the kind of, well, c consistently ramping you beyond beyond the first first couple of turns of the game. Whereas this one at least like definitely lets you like have a deeper look for that extra land that you need. So yeah, I, this is a pretty powerful card, and I imagine it's a lock to see standard play. Yeah, I tried it in a band deck band control list I got from one of my viewers, and it seemed pretty decent. It was a Lear deck. So ramping to Leer, having extra mana up when you play Leer to protect it with Fading Hope is nice. And the card is, is decent, you know, instant speed preordain for two mana, get to ramp. I think it, it might might be decent in standard if these kind of band decks are not just overpowered by all the red, all the great red and black cards. Yeah, the bar, the bar is pretty high in standard. There's two really powerful attrition three drops, uh, Fable the Mirror Breaker and Liliana the Veil. Uh... 
yeah, asking a lot of uh, non-black and non-red decks. Yeah. All right. So next, well, they were printed negate. We don't have to talk about negate, I think. Next is Rona's Vortex. It's a blue instant, and it has kicker of a black and two. It says, return target creature or planeswalker you do not control to its owner's hand. If the spell was kicked, put that permanent on the bottom of its owner's library instead. So one blue boomerang, and for four, you gust it to the bottom, put it to the bottom. So kind of hard removal for four mana and tempo card for one mana. I think people were kind of excited by that card, thought it might be pretty good. I'm a little skeptical. I feel like paying four mana for a hard removal is really expensive and one mana for some card disadvantage, you can't even save your own permanence, is also underwhelming. Is a combination of the two good enough? Uh, I'm pretty skeptical. Mm. I have this earmark for a format like Pioneer where blue answers to Planeswalkers have been in short supply uh, for a, in manner efficient ways. I, th I think that you know, if you think about a blue black deck, this is this is a blue black card. It's not it's not a card you can just put in a, in a, a non black blue deck. But in slots where like blue black control has had it, something like maybe not fading hope, but uh, blood chief's thirst, uh, then you know the one black sorcery destroy a two drop, or if you kick it, it destroys a creature or planeswalker with any mana cost. Four mana sorcery is really bad. Four mana instant can kind of handle that. It play it fits nicely with the kind of you know pass turn leave manner up game plan of the of the blue black control deck in Pioneer and it's an effect that is you know the deck needs I think maybe it's not good enough and I agree with Gav that the front side of it the one one blue side of it is pretty pretty embarrassing but when your when your late game is really good like you know, your deck has dig through times or and memory deluges and lots of planeswalkers and stuff like that. Sometimes you can just cop the loss, like, like the card advantage loss, and just you know play 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 for tempo. Ooh, card like Rona's Vortex just on the front side, pay one blue. I expect this, it also synergizes pretty well with Ledger Shredder. Like you can put you, it's like pretty easy to double spell with this. Um, yeah, it's if you if you're trying to like recruit card advantage with a card like maybe Jace Friends Prodigy or something like that, though that the card doesn't line up too well. Um, I mean, it, it, it kill it snipes the the, the token from Fable of the Mirror Breaker. I, I think this has got just enough legs to see play in a format like Pioneer and Pioneer in particular. Uh, the the last the last point that I think really hammers at home is that these blue decks really rely on treasure cruise and dig through time, and this is just another cheap instant that goes to the graveyard and can just you know trade for time, and then you can recoup that lost time with the, with the delve spells. So yeah, I don't have like. I wouldn't bet the farm on this card seeing play, but I think it will be a card that people try out and play sees play as reasonable numbers in uh, blue black control and pioneer in particular. Yeah, those are all good points. I could see it be a one or two off. You don't want to have too many cards advantage cards, which is a one mana part, and at four it competes with deluge. So in that way it's bad, but it's nice that it's one mana, which lets you maybe deluge plus 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 play a, a bounce spell on turn five, and it gives you an extra, you know, usually in these decks, all your Planeswalkers answers are kind of bad. You have to play cards like Soul Shatter, Blood Chiefs first, and you never want to fail. You never want to play too many of any of these cards. You want them all in small numbers. 
because they don't have other other utility. You know, Bloodsheath first can be cast on one. Soul Shatter is pretty versatile, and Rona's Vortex could be could be that concept. You know, you could play the split of one Vortex, one Shatter, one Bloodsheath first, etc. So maybe maybe exactly. see a tiny bit of play. Yeah, the archetypal fringe role player. Yeah, but I, I, that's that's exactly the sort of card I get hyped for. <laughs> All right. Who right. who is next? next? Me now. All right. So this is uh, the next card on the list is Vidalian Hexcatcher, and this is going to start a kind of ongoing conversation about all the two mana lords they're printing in this set. So what? It, so Vidalian Hexcatcher itself is one blue one colorless creature Merfolk Wizard. It's a one one. Has flash. Other Merfolk get, you control get plus one plus one, and then sacrifice a Merfolk counter target non creature spell unless the control its controller pays one. So. This card's really, really good lord. It doesn't grant Island Walk like the traditional Lord of Atlantis or um, Master of the Pearl Trident does. And, you know, if we just think about the archetypal kind of Merfolk deck from, from Modern's past. But this is a very, very, very difficult card to play against from the control side. Um, and, you know, with the, its flash, flash, flash ability and kind of flashing and force spiking. It's got a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things going for it. And I expect to... I certainly expect to see an uptick in the number of Merfolk decks in the queues in, in modern and whether it puts them over the top or kind of lets them kind of establish themselves as a, sol- a, a genuine threat in the metagame. I don't really know, but everything's all the numbers are right on this for it to be successful. I think. Yeah, it does look really good. It seems like living in a living nightmare. Oh yeah. I was wondering if there's any decent Merfolk cards that make tokens as the four drop, the protection from red four yeah, drop. Master of Waves. But yeah. that doesn't make Merfolk actually. It makes no, elementals. it makes illusions. Elementals or illusions. illusions. Elementals. Yeah. 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 There's I... been a number. Of, there's been a number of good one mana Merfolk printed. Merfolk printed in the last year. Uh, there's the this Tide Shaper. Um, obviously, Curse Catcher is you know still has it has already has this text on it basically. And I, th- I think there's one more that I that has escaped me. There's there's the one that evolves for two mana that you can. It's like a one mana one one that you can pay one blue one colorless and put a plus one plus one counter on and loot. And I've seen Merfolk playing all the all versions of these cards for a while. And just having that access to something to do when you pass with your mana up that's impactful is is really worth a lot in in these Merfolk decks, like so often, like they're so, they're so prescriptive, prescriptive when they don't have Aether Vial in play. Like you would just go pay two mana, cast my creature, play through two mana, cast my creature, pay two mana twice, cast two creatures. And these all sorcery speed interactions. And, you know, your opponent's kind of, you know, although, you know, it can put a lot of pressure on your opponent. It can be difficult to block against them. Ultimately they play with their hand face up and this card at least lets you play a kind of an interactive game of magic while also progressing the same game plan that's made the deck you know, successful in the past. So yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, like I said, this power level is high on this card. Yeah, I'm a little worried that it doesn't hit hard and that a lot of the non-creature spells are really cheap, so people are just going to lead with their removal spell, you're not going to get a great spot to force spike them and then it does seem yeah. good against a card specifically like 
to Fairy Time Raveler, I guess. It does say non-creature and not just instant or sorcery. I believe Curse Catcher was just instant and sorcery. Yeah, Curse Catcher is just instant and sorcery. At least this one, this one can snipe Planeswalkers, which is pretty important. Like, you know, catching that Renin Six. Like, he can even sacrifice itself, right? So it's it's like Spytel Hatchling in in yeah. some respect. Yeah, no, it looks it looks it looks good. Yeah. Agreed. Right, um, we got another Merfolk up next. Yeah, I didn't have that one on my list. Jeez, you're making me read Wall of Text. Vidalion Mindsinger. Blue, blue one for 2-2 two, two Merfolk Wizard. That's kicker, a red and a green and or... No, it has a kicker, a red and one and or a green and one. Vidalion Mindsinger enters a battlefield with two plus one plus one counters on it. On it, for each time it was kicked, when it enters a battlefield, gain control of target creature with power less than... The Mindsinger, as long as you control it. So on turn three, you get a 2-2 two, two for free, and you can seal a creature that has one or zero power. You can seal an Esper Sentinel, maybe, a Memnite, an Ornithopter, a Risen Reef. And then for five mana, it's a 4-4 four, four that can seal a creature that has three or less. And for seven mana, 6-6, six, six, steal a, pretty much any creature. Pat, why did you have that card on this list? Okay, well, on, honestly, when I first read it, I didn't realize it was less than. I thought it was less than or equal to its power. Uh, that would have been much better. But I think the history, histori historically, cards like this, uh, Sorrow of Temptation, etc., have been better than they look despite the, how fragile they are. Uh, three, mana, three mana mind control is pretty good if you're taking you know, a Lord. You know, it, it takes Vidalian Hexcatcher from your opponent. It also is buffed by Vidalian Hexcatcher to take two to take two power creatures. Um you know, if if decks like you know there's a goblin lord that gets printed later on, if those decks rise in popularity, here's a card that lets you two for one them. I, I see this Sorrow of Temptation's a really good magic card. Like mind control is really powerful and getting it for three mana is nothing to sneeze at. And if you can kick this at all, I think that it it goes quite a quite a fair way. Maybe it's more powerful in a format like standard, where the you know the power level is a little bit lower, and you can take a little bit of time to kind of to genuinely kick it, as opposed to you know a format like modern, where you know time is of the essence and removal spells cost one mana and definitely kill it. But I don't know. There's 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 a lot there's a lot going for mind control effects that means that they don't have to be very good for them to be playable in some number. Yeah, you kind of sold me on Rona's Vortex, but you definitely have not sold me on Vidalian Mindsinger. Uh, that's fine. I'll, I'll take. I'll. I'll go one for one. It's fine. All right. Next, you're up. All right. Cool. All right. We're going to black cards now. No. First card I'm at... We skipped Haughty Jin. Oh no, Haughty. Naughty Haughty. All right. Okay. Haughty Jin. So Haughty Jin, two blue, one colorless creature. Jin, us. Uh, Flying with uh, four toughness and power equal to the number of instants and sorcery cards in your graveyard. Instants and sorcery spells cost you one colorless less to cast. Right, so this wasn't on my original list. It was on Gab's. I think it was an oversight on my, my part because this has got a lot going for it. Uh, the cost reduction effect is obviously you know pretty powerful. Uh, they've printed a number of good instants and sorceries recently. Uh, you know, Impulse is one first one that comes to mind. Like That benefits a lot from the cost reduction. It hits hard. Uh, it can be protected in a number of ways. You know, if we think about kind of the heroic style decks that we were describing a little bit earlier, you know, playing slip out the back and stuff like that, you know, all these things go towards boosting Jin's power and also protecting it. 
from, from removal and it doesn't take very many hits from a card like this to end the game and the cost reduction effect is probably a real threat uh, don't know if it's like I don't know if there's the density of spells uh, in a format like standard to, to have you really go off with a card like this and I think it's a little bit too weak for modern but maybe it finds its way in in Pioneer or Explorer or something like that Gab, what, what, was, what was jumping out to you about this card? I played the ad against that card once in the early access in standard the player also had Tolarian Terror in their deck which is seven mana five five war two cost one less for each instant or sorcery card in your graveyard oh right so like a, a kind of delve style creature yeah and you know enigmatic drake has seen a decent bit of play it was never the the greatest card in in the deck but it's all play and that card seems better so yeah, who knows? I think I think that card could could see could see play could be it has decent stats anyways. Maybe it won't find a home, but pretty yeah, I decent. Mean, the combination of it and Terra means like you've got a basis for a deck there, right? Like that's that that's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, and last blue card I just want to mention Sphinx of Clear yep. Skies, which is the five mana five five flying who has War Two and Domain kind of some kind of factor fiction. Um, in fact, I feel like that card is a trap. All these like five drops was War Two. War Two is just not enough. People, you know, they're bad against Liliana. People have gonna have Infernal Grasp and Standard. So I play. I tried to play that with that card a bunch in, in some decks, and it, it seemed like way too expensive and kind of fragile. As opposed to a card that's a bit of plain Standard was Imrith, which I believe had the Ward Four when it was untapped, and yeah, I feel like that card's just much worse. Yeah, I think that I, I, when I was going through this spoiler, I was like, five mana flying doesn't have a come into play effect. Okay, I'm done. It yeah. just has to connect to be successful. I, I'm off of it. Right. What's All the right. next card on the list then, Gab? Yeah, next card is black, right? Moving on to black. And first yeah. black card is Braids. Braids is back. Braids, Arisen Nightmare is a free free for free mana, two black and one legendary creature nightmare and it says at the beginning of your end step you may sacrifice an artifact creature enchantment land or planeswalker if you do each opponent may sacrifice a pern that shares a card type with it for each opponent who doesn't that player loses two life and you draw a card so you know maybe you played on turn three you sack a land at first i read it and i was like well that's pretty sketch they can just you're just traded permanent you're trading permanence for cards in hand, which does not seem good, you know, you'd rather have Perrants in play in the early game than more cards in hand. But it is really good was Harvester, because you get to sack the Blood Token, which is obviously not a big deal for you, and your opponent's usually not going to have um, a, an artifact, so gonna, you're going to draw a card and they're going to lose two, damage adds up. That's pretty concrete application, but I think it's probably the most relevant one in in many formats right now so yeah, yeah that, that card that card seemed seemed okay later in the game you can sack some lands and um you know if they sack good if they don't good it's it it, it's, yeah. it seems fine yeah there's a lot there's a lot uh that's working in the favor of this card and the immediate the immediate trigger is um so triggering on your end step so it works the tone that you play it Essentially, giving it haste is a huge tick in, tick in its favor. The kind of influx of tokens, like treasure and blood tokens, 
that have kind of been printed recently and will be in standard and also you know doing well in pioneer it's another big tick in its favor you know if you're a, if you have a blood token your opponent does it bang you just trade your blood token for two life and for their two life and a, and a card for you and that's that's a great exchange um there's also kind of there's the one red uh, one one that when it dies you can exile top two cards of your library and you can play one of them this turn it's a card that is hard to maximize uh with with braids but you know, there's a lot of tools right now for aristocrat style uh red black decks and so i expect this card to slot right into those right into those shells uh obviously to take full advantage of it you need to really care about the life loss for your opponent so you need to be pressuring your opponent you can't it's less obviously you get less out of the card if you're just sitting back and like accumulating resources and just ending the game however you feel like it so you know decks that put pressure on so like blood type harvester hits pretty hard you know three power two drop this is a three power three drop you know your opponent's life total is going to get down really really quite quickly uh, and i definitely imagine braids is going to be an impactful card in stanton pioneer yeah it's a, it's a legend and it has some tough competition trespasser maybe liliana of the veil fable of the mirror breaker if you're playing red so i don't expect it to see played in, in huge number but the, the one of my might just be good enough, especially the, the combo with, with the blood tokens. And it has as much uh, as a come into play, as close as it gets as a come into play without exactly being a come into play. On the other hand, in a format, obviously, where Lightning Bolt is legal, <clears throat> might be a little tougher to uh, to make the cuts. Right. So the next cut on our list is, uh, oh, the Cruelty of Gix, which was a lot on my list. Okay, so Cruelty of Gix is a saga, and it has a new kind of clause, saga clause on it, uh, which is called Read Ahead. So basically, yeah, there are three chapters in the saga, and Read Ahead says that you choose a chapter to start with, and so you put that many law counters on it. So if you wanted to start at the, at the final chapter, you can just start at the final chapter, and it just casts that final chapter effect, and it dies. So basically, you pick where it starts, and I'll read, read the rest of the text of the card now. So it's a five-mana enchantment saga. has Read Ahead. And the first chapter says your opponent reveals their hand. You can choose a creature or a planeswalker card from it, and they discard that card. Chapter two, search your library for a card and put that card into your hand, then shuffle and lose three life. And then chapter three, put target creature from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. So this, you know, I mean, the immediate comparisons for me in my mind are cards like Elspeth Conquers Death. ECD, which is a huge player in standard, you know, five mana enchantment that kind of provided long-term card advantage. You know, this this provides you with plus one in the first chapter, plus one in the second chapter, plus one in the third chapter. Uh, read ahead's a really powerful powerful effect if you need to kind of to speed speed things up and you can't really you know delay the reanimate effect. Uh, the synergies between chapter one and chapter three. This is obviously a standard targeted uh, card. I think it's a little bit too slow for a format like Pioneer and definitely too slow for modern, but I mean, do you think the comparisons with Elspeth's ECD are reasonable? Yeah, you had Elders Freeborn. Problem was the Geeks, cruelty of Geeks is that the first chapter doesn't impact the board, but you can skip to the third one, reanimate. I was playing a list I got from a viewer who was just playing Junt Reanimator, and the deck was cool. I won a couple of games, and I figured I would mention, you know, at the end of the day, it's still a free for one a pretty solid one, too, just getting... A relevant card from their hand even though i guess it could be empty-handed by then and then you can you can skip grim tutor it's a shame that 
and I'm sure they had that in mind, but you have to do, if you do chapter one, you have to do chapter two and you have to lose the free life. It's not a May. So yeah, that, that's if you like choose what, chapter one, it's very ponderous. Like it's really slow and yeah, yeah. the game's better be going for another like 10 turns for you to start chapter one reasonably. Yeah, yeah I think it's, it's a pity that you can't skip chapter two. But I also like to point out that we haven't had a huge number of kind of like straight up zombify effects recently. And although this costs five mana, like, you know, it's pretty expensive. You know, this is direct, like, straight up reanimation. Like, you know, you just play it, pay it, pay five mana, put yeah. target creature from your opponent from a graveyard into play, and it's their graveyard or yours. So, like, you get advantage from just killing their creatures as well. Yeah. yeah. We've seen we've seen that sort of effect kind of make its way into these kind of, like, you know, mid-range tap-out style control decks before. I can imagine this card getting a little bit of, little bit of run. Yeah. Can discard with seal of the mirror breaker there's also a new red saga that lets you discard so these these synergies are nice i was i was kind of impressed you know i played it two or three times and every time you know i chose a different chapter to start at i think so that was that's kind of cool the versatility but um yeah next to probably one of the best cards for standard a card i was really excited about really excited about is cut down. We mentioned earlier a black instant speed destroy target creature with total power and toughness five or less. I think that card is really good in standard. It kills the fable tokens. It kills, you know, all the cheap creatures. One mana instant speed. I was actually getting pretty mad because people in chat was like, "Why are you playing cut down? You know, compare it to strangle." And even though strangle is really good, especially for sorcery speed removal spells, strangle is really good. Uh, cut down is uh is even better i think i will say after playing it a, a bunch i was not sold that would be a four of in every black deck i think maybe some black decks you want four of especially if you have fable of the mirror breaker to get rid of them in the late game i played a few games was you know maybe an esper control deck where it was nice to have in the early game but i, I was having a lot of dead cards in the late game uh, i was maybe not building the deck right at Maybe too many cutdowns. I had a lot of make disappears that were going dead. I didn't have tokens to stack to the make disappears to make them better. So maybe as not good there, uh, not as good there. But yeah, I think that card is going to see a, a ton of playing standard. Yeah, I imagine it just defines standard format in a lot of ways. Yeah, it basically, like it's got its built-in obsolescence in some respect. Like it's so good that you, it makes it really difficult to justify playing creatures that have power and toughness combined five or less. That costs more than one or two mana, I think. So yeah, I imagine it pu- it may almost pushes itself out of the format. Do you see it impacting a format? Do you see it impacting modern or or pioneer? I don't think so. We have fatal push. It's going to be better than fatal push in some cases, but yeah, very 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 few. I would I would guess yeah that it's better than fatal push. I do think it's got a little bit chance in pioneer where fatal push is hard to revolt. It's hard to turn on revolt in fatal for fatal push. Add this card at least tags kind of some three drops that are important but yeah it doesn't it doesn't kill everything in a certain and creatures are getting bigger these days and so you know not being able to kill a three three is a big downside i think yeah all right next card on the list drag to the bottom four mana sorcery two blue two black two colorless domain each creature gets minus x minus x until the end of turn where x is one plus the number of basic land types you control so this can give up to minus six minus six uh on turn four it's going to give you know, presumably kind of minus three, minus three, minus four, minus four, depending on what sort of triumphs you have access to. 
not 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 it's very it's not particularly difficult for this to to, to give the four minus six minus six though in, in a format like standard or pioneer obviously it doesn't see doesn't make any sense to play it in, in modern because you have access to damnation but you know this is a powerful sweeper like four mana four mana wraths are, are very good yeah languish so a decent amount of play and this could be similar maybe better so i could see it if, if the the control domain decks uh have legs that that card might be a, a decent sweeper of choice for standard yeah it certainly seems easier easy enough to make it languish or maybe even better yeah yeah all right next we have evolved sleeper which is one one human for one black and it's kind of the the figure of destiny ish or i guess not not as powerful in the late game but uh, yeah, one one for black, one black, evolved sleeper becomes a human cleric with base power and toughness two two. Then, for black and one, if it is a cleric, you put a death touch counter on it and it becomes a Phyrexian human cleric with base power free free, uh, base power and toughness free free. And then for black black one, if it's Phyrexian, you put a plus one plus one counter on it. Then you draw a card and you lose one life, and you can keep doing that one as many times as you want, so 1-1 one, one turns into 2-2, two, two, turns into a 3-3, three, three, and then turns into a 4-4 four, four that draws you a card and stuff. I don't know if you had it on your list. I think I had it on my list. It doesn't seem, like, amazing, but, you know, people played it against me, and it was definitely annoying, and you know, I can get out of hand. It's not the most efficient in the early game, but it is an early game thread that can just take over the game uh, if it goes unchecked in the, the mid, mid, mid and late game. Yeah, I mean the pedigree for these sort of cards is really good. Um, uh, obviously, Figure of Destiny is like a, a, an old timer. Um, Warden of the First Tree is a, the card that it reminds me more of, actually, which is uh, from one of the one of the Khan sets. But it, it was a green green one that turns into a three three that get, t- becomes a lifelinker and then grows. Um, yeah, these aren't like the best beatdown cards, but they give your aggressive decks this kind of late game power late game power where like one threat can just take over the game in the mid to late game um they could be pretty reasonable ways of kind of of, of advancing your board without over committing into sw- into a sweeper or something like that and you know i like i like i like the way this card reads uh, i think like you know it's not very expensive once you get it up to the third level to just kind of you know draw a card every every turn and just demand an answer um does take a little while it, it is very vulnerable to cut down in standard um yeah i don't expect it to be a massive a massive player but there are a lot of really good black cards being printed in this set and so it's probably got a chance to find a home in those spots yeah right next card on my list is uh a gimme this is liliana the veil this card is reprint from original innistrad it's a planeswalker Two black, one colorless, legendary creature, or legendary planeswalker Liliana starts with three loyalty, plus one, each player discards a card, minus two, target player sacrifices a creature, minus six, separate all permanents, target player controls into two piles, and that player sues the pile and sacrifices the rest. Um, this was one of the best cards in, in, in modern for a very, very long time, and it's only recently been obsoleted. I'm really quite excited to see it reprinted in standard, and also particularly for its its entry into Pioneer. I think the power level for Pioneer is absolutely spot on with what that format's about and what it does, and it changes dynamics pretty significantly. Uh, this is this card almost single-handedly makes Ledger Shredder a much worse, uh, 
much less attractive option in a format like Pioneer. Um, I mean, there's a lot to be said about Liliana. Um, if we want to kind of highlight the, the things you want to be, I think most people would be pretty excited about Liliana and have like, you know, had experiences with her in modern and excited, really keen to get down and expect it to be really impactful in standard, really impactful in Pioneer. And I definitely don't disagree with that. Uh, but just to kind of flag the things that you should be looking for when putting Liliana, Liliana in your deck, you should be looking to trade one for one. So you, know, you, you your deck should be set up to kind of exchange resources in a one for one nature with your opponent, and Liliana just really plays into that really well. Uh, it's a good way of kind of recycling uh, redundant or um, uh, dead effects. So like it's you know, obviously really good to like turn your removal spells into reliable discards. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a decent discard enabler as well, so it enables graveyard synergies. So we were talking about the Cruelty of Gix before, um, the Zombify effect. Uh, it could also be like a Grease Fang enabler. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it kind of got parallels to Fable of the Mirror Breaker in a lot of respects. Like it's kind of this three-mana card that kind of changes the dynamic of the game and provides a huge amount of resource advantage. It lets you cycle cards. So, you know, Fable obviously lets you just discard dead cards and draw two cards, new fresh ones, but this one lets you turn dead cards and trade them in when you might not have been able to otherwise. I mean, Liliana is just sick. Uh, really interesting play patterns. Um, I don't know how much more we really need to say, but look out for it at your local, at your local tournaments. Yeah, you should, yeah, you should want to build your deck was a really low curve when you're playing Liliana as well. Yeah, get cards out of your hand. Yeah, Exactly. Try and break that, break that synergy. Yeah. I actually already got to play with the card, against the card. I played with it in Standard, and the first few games I played, I was incredibly underwhelmed. It just seemed infinitely worse than a card like Pibble of the Mirror Breaker or the new Squee, uh, even worse than Braze. Basically, I felt like it was the, the worst free drop in my deck. Then I had a couple games against some maybe slower decks where it got to do its thing, um, but I'm not, I'm not sure how... Funny. It's funny. I don't know how much you were playing when it was in standard last time. I think that... I'm not sure if that was during your kind of like... your kind of pietist to play poker... But Liliana wasn't very good in standard when it was printed the first time. I mean, it was good, but it wasn't this kind of like absolute format defining all star. I think one of the things about standard is the cards are quite expensive, and emptying your hands is not the easiest thing on planet Earth to do. So you, it's it's harder to break the symmetry of yeah. Liliana than it is in a format like Pioneer, where the the density of one mana spells is high enough that you can kind of reliably strand your opponent with cards in hand while you have none and just rip through rip through their resources yeah it doesn't help that there's squee that makes a, a token there's the underdog that comes back there's a, f a few cards against which it, it doesn't line up so great i actually also played against it in my pioneer prelim today i was playing a blue light control i went for i know no big deal and in the last round i got paired against red black was liliana and i'm i'm proud to say i've uh, already beaten my first liliana ultimate Nice. That's it, always a good feeling. Being, yeah. Being the Lily ultimate is a great feeling. I, one of the, maybe just to fin finish off talking about Lily, if you're worried about about it when you're playing against it, like, you know, things, ways, things to do when you're building your deck to get around it. Um, try to have as many kind of two for one effects in your deck as you possibly can. Like, you know, cards like Memory Deluge, Tre Treasure Cruise, Dig Through Time work really well against Liliana. You know, obviously they have synergy with you know, the Dell spells synergize with the graveyard. You can discard the memory deluge if you need to, but also just the kind of get drawing, drawing lots of cards, obviously really good against Liliana. There's this kind of interesting 
things I try, situations I try and get into when Liliana's in play against me and I'm playing these blue decks is that I want to make the plus one worse for my opponent than it is for me. Yeah. And that's, if you can do that, then you've really nullified the power of Lily. And just one last caveat you don't always have to activate it. Liliana is like the number one planeswalker for pass without activating. And sometimes it's just right not to make anyone discard a card or to to do whatever. So yeah. just watch out watch out for that line of play, I guess. Yeah, I think I might still have it for my top five in standard, but I'm not sure how amazing it's gonna be in other formats. It doesn't line up super well against a wandering emperor or Teferi a bit in the same way where you know Liliana is definitely losing the battle against someone who has a chase of mind sculpture. So uh, we'll see if it makes a cut. It could be a sideboard card. It could be maybe a card you have one or two up in the main and somewhere in the sideboard for specific matchups. What do we got next, Gab? We have... I have to talk about that card, the Raven Man. I just wanted to hear you say the name. A black and one, two, one, legendary creature, human wizard. At the beginning of each end step, if a player discarded a card this turn... Create a 1-1 black bird creature token was flying, and this creature cannot block. And it has an ability, tap, black and free, each opponent discards a card, activate only as a sorcery. So, 2-drop, legendary, combos was Fable of the Mirror Breaker, Liliana of the Veil. It works also against your opponent's Fable at day loot, or if they discard for some reason, you get the 1-1. So potentially you can get two one one black birds a turn that cannot block, and it has kind of a disrupting scepter uh, effect. So yeah, I don't know. That card was not terrible, not great. I could see it played in, in really small numbers and in, in standard. I'm not sure about other formats though. I feel like I see it making an impact outside of format like standard. But how many ravens do you think you need to make for this to be a reasonable deal? Probably like two, right? Yeah, maybe something like that. Yeah. I don't know. This seems like a sideboard card to me. Like, you can kind of put it into play, you know, on turn two. It's like attacks for damage and the kind of mid-range yield control mirrors. And then, you know, Disrupting Scepter effect is pretty pretty reasonable in this kind of, you know, if you have to get to start activating it. I don't know. I also just love that, love that it's the Raven Man and it's legend. You know that it's legendary because it's the Raven Man, not just any old other, any old Raven Man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> no worries. Okay, all right. Uh, next one, I'll get to read this one. So, uh, Shieldred the Apocalypse. Legendary creature, Phyrexian Praetor. Two black, two colorless. Death touch, four, five. Whenever you draw a card, you gain two life. And when your opponent draws a card, they lose two life. I'll be, I'll be honest, when I first read this card, I went, oh, that's pretty underwhelming. It doesn't have an immediate impact in the game. It's a four mana creature. It's just stats. This isn't really, you know, this is, this, this is a bit of a strange mythic rare. And then I, I think, you know, it's a mythic rare. There's a, there's a reason they made this mythic. It must be, they must think it's better than it is. Or they must think it's better than I think it is. And then I started, I realized if you just think about it, in a format like standard, this is basically Siege Rhino. You know, if you assume it doesn't get killed in one turn cycle, you know, they they lose two life, you gain two life, and it really starts stacking up pretty fast. You know, the body's really big. 
it doesn't get hit by um, some of the more important removal spells in the format. Like it doesn't get strangled. It doesn't get cut down. Um, I think there's a, I think there's a four mana, four mana removal, a four damage removal spell that's, that's important. Yeah, Voltic Surge. Yeah, it doesn't get hit by Voltic Surge, which is really important as well. Uh, so yeah, Shieldred got a, got a lot going for it in a format like Standard. I don't think it makes its way into other formats, but you know, the comparison to Siege Rhino is... Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a real one, I think, and obviously, yeah, you, you maybe you can accelerate the effect by like you know forcing your opponent you know synergize nicely with you know anything that lets people draw cards. You know, if you draw cards or your opponent's trying to draw cards, it punishes them. But the body's big; uh, it deals damage fast, and yeah, you can't really leave this in play. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, good card. Yeah, I must say I wasn't sure, so I started building that red black deck, and I threw in one or two in, and then. There's also Jaya and Sorin and um, something, some other good further. I can't remember now. Anyways, I was, and then someone in chat was like, no, that card's really good. You should try it out. And I tried it. And it was so good. It just won me every game. It was totally obscene. I think it might, if it's that good in standard, I think it could be maybe decent in, in Pioneer. It doesn't die to Chandra Minus. You can kind of not do anything if you're worried about the Wandering Emperor. You don't have to attack with it and still does all something. It's nice against the draw discard of Fable of the Mirror Breaker, so it makes up for Castle Lockwin activations in the late. I'm not sure, but yeah, that card was wow. I was I might be my my top card for standard, honestly. Yeah. It's really it was really a kind of uh innocuous text on it though, right? It doesn't it read so poorly to me the first time when I saw it. I just went, Oh, uh yeah. Anyway, I'm 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 not surprised to see that it's been good for you in early access events, and I think it's probably going to be a really, really impactful card in standard to shape the way the format. Like your deck's going to have to have a response to Shieldred. Yeah, I do love that. I love that it punishes Fable the Mirror Breaker as well. That that that, that, that card needs punishment, but I, I also hate that it synergizes nicely with Fable the Mirror Breaker. Yeah, yeah, right. So next card, what have we got? I think we have. A red, right? Moving on Ooh, to red. We're out. We're out of black cards. That's great. Yeah, I'm out of black cards. We have in red the Elden Dragon War Red Red Two Saga Sim Mechanist, the read ahead mechanist, where you can just skip chapters. And first chapter reads: The Elder Dragon War deals two damage to each creature and each opponent. Second chapter: Discard any number of cards and draw that many cards. So reminiscent of. People of the Mirror Breaker, second chapter, and then third chapter, create a red, red, a red, red, a four, four red dragon creature token was flying. So I guess, quote unquote, worst case scenario, go straight to chapter three, you get yourself a four, four flying for four mana, not, not the worst, but yeah, first, first chapter can act as a sweeper, second chapter can enable some graveyard shenanigans, and then, and then you get a, dra a dragon. I think that card, you know, it does it does a decent bit, and it might see a little bit of play. I tried it. I had it in that uh, Junt Reanimator deck, and it was kind of sweet. Um, not not a bomb or anything. Not not a format breaking, but could could see maybe a little playoff stand in standard. I'm not sure about Pioneer and and m almost definitely not modern. No, certainly not modern. But I. This kind of reads to me like it's a really, really, really good card in like aggro mirrors or like, you know, so red mirrors or like, you know, the red deck versus white deck matchup where like normally you wouldn't want a sweeper in like an, in an aggro deck, but 
in your post board configuration, I think it's really easy to set up and make the El- the Elder Dragon War like something that the matchup revolves around. So you know, clearing up a few of their small creatures and then like cycling out some dead lands and then making a four four. Uh, obviously, like Gab pointed out, never dead. You can just skip and make a four four straight away. Um, in a format like Pioneer, I can almost imagine it playing kind of like the role of like kind of fifth and sixth copies of Fable of the Mirror Breaker in that four drop slot in uh, black red. You know, that deck has a lot of uh, a lot of situational cards. Like you know, late game thoughts is not so good. Maybe your opponent doesn't uh, isn't playing a deck that you you want Fatal Push against. Like it's another way of cycling cards away with the discard effect. Um, it plays defense nicely with the, with the first chapter as well against small creatures, and then it just it gives you a body for value in, at, at the end. Yeah, I see, I see plenty of application for this in in standard, and then I also expect to see it's to see fringe play in pioneer. Yeah, agreed. Cool. Right, next card. Uh, a planeswalker, Jaya, fire negotiator. Uh, four mana, two red, two colors. Starts with four loyalty. Legendary planeswalker, Jaya. And I have to just lean in a little bit to make sure that I can read all this text. Uh, plus one, create a one-one red monk to- creature token with prowess. Minus one, exile the top two cards of your library. Choose one of them. You may play that card this turn. And importantly, that lets you play them, so you can actually put land into play with this. Uh, minus two, choose target creature and opponent controls. Whenever you you attack this turn, Jaya deals damage equal to the number of creatures you're attacked with to that creature to, to the creature you chose. And then minus eight, you get an emblem with whenever you cast a red instant or sorcery, copy it twice. Um, so the ultimate is uh, minus eight, and it starts with four loyalty. I never expect that to be uh, a particularly impactful thing, and it's hard to imagine you just building towards it and that being something that occurs regularly. But there's a lot going on in the first three abilities. Um, we've got a long history of four, four ability planeswalkers being very good, obviously. But... Um, the plus one defends itself, the minus one requires card advantage, and then you can also just put it into play in minus two if you've got a board and, and remove a troublesome creature that your opponent has. I think this is going to be a absolute hit in standard. I, I imagine that you know, between, you know, it's not hard to find enough bodies to make this relevant. Uh, it fits into the nicely. This, there's this tendency at the moment for Watsy to be printing red cards that aren't just kind of like jackal pups, basically. They're like... These are like card advantage style, like mid rangey red de- red cards, and this is like a really really key thread in that spot. So I, I think this is a really good card in standard, and maybe it makes its way into a format like Pioneer, where you know it's a way of changing up out of the kind of red white prowess deck post board. You know, if your opponent's kind of loading up and removal spells, it's really good to have. You know, you know Planeswalker is a really good way of getting around that. It provides an army by itself, and that synergizes nicely with with, with a spell aspect of the of the prowess deck. Yeah, I think this is really good, and I expect to see a lot of play in definitely Standard and Pioneer as well. Yeah, I think it's good in Standard. It's not super flashy, but kind of slowly takes over the game, so I'm not sure it's competing with too, too much in Red. And that slide is funny. I played that card in a red leg deck. I'm not even trying a single Red Instant in my deck. I didn't have Lightning Strike, so I'm not even sure the Ultimate would have done anything for me. But yeah, I was thinking about the comparison with Chandra and Pioneer, so I didn't think I would see a ton of play there because I think Chandra is just much, much better. But as you mentioned, maybe in a deck like Heroic, uh, I could see Jaya actually being better than a card like Chandra. It's 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 okay, you know, it feels like fairly generic-ish Planeswalker, but solid stats. It's hard for me to argue with four abilities on a Planeswalker. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that ultimate minus eight. Easy. Anyways, next we have another of the lords, the Runevelt Horde Master. 1 1 for red and 1 goblin warrior. Other goblins you control get plus 1 plus 1. Whenever it or another goblin you control dies, exile the top card of your library. If it's a goblin creature card, you may cast that card until the end of your next turn. So, kind of the same uh, ability as light up the stage. You don't have to play it right away. You can, uh, you have a couple turns to, to, to clan ahead. Decent combo was a card like Skirk Prospector. Lets you trade trade goblins adventurously. Um, not not the greatest stat, but two mana for a lord, I guess, is, is decent. I think most of the goblin lords cost free usually, so seems like a solid card. It's kind of hard to really tell how good it's gonna be, just from thinking it just like the way the games play out and stuff. It, I, I'm having a real time. I know people were excited about the lords and this one in particular. But I'm having a hard time really picturing how it plays out and how good it's going to be. I think that goblins, like the red black goblins deck in modern, is like already pretty good. Like it's not obviously not tier one, but it's it's, it's a deck that has legs in modern, and it was already playing cards like Goblin Chieftain, which were like the three mana one one plus one plus one and haste goblin. I mean, haste is obviously a really good ability, but this fits in with the deck's kind of game plan more more readily, which is to be very, very difficult to outgrind by uh, the kind of interactive control decks. And so getting that power boost on a cheaper cre cheaper body that also provides some kind of staying power is more in line with what those goblin decks want. And I mean, we're, we're, we're not going to talk about legacy, but I, I feel like the most important part of legacy goblins uh, is getting lackey in, and at least this helps you get lackey past Delver of Secrets and, uh, and stuff that your opponent might play on turn one in, in legacy. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I think that the, this card's like red black goblins will pick it up and it will play it in some numbers. I think uh, whether or not there's a goblin deck in pioneer or, or, or standard, I don't know. That's the sort of thing where you know someone will build that deck and I'll find out by playing against it. But yeah, hard to hard to overlook two mana lords with relevant abilities. Yeah, you got right. next. I got next. Ship and Devastator, one red X creature, dragon hydro. <laughs> <laughs> Great, great creature type. <laughs> zero, zero, flying haste. When it comes into play, it just ends the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. So this is, I mean, it's Miskata Hydra, right? But Miskata Hydra got blocked by any creature. This doesn't get blocked by ground creatures. I feel like this card's destined to see play in Standard and Pioneer and probably define a lot of the top end of these kind of mid-rangey or like you know, aggressive red decks. To some scale, a scalable threat in those in those decks is so powerful. Not necessarily against you know a deck like control, but in these kind of mid range or like creature on creature fights, like this card just goes over the top of everything all the time. Yeah, you know, it, 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 it pays you off a little bit when you flood out because you get to make a bigger fireball. Yeah, you know, it just it's it, that closing power. It provides this evasive haste threat. I just I see this I see this card being a staple. Wow, I didn't even have that card on my list. I think the base rate's way too low. Uh, but it's all the rates, though, Gab. Yeah, it's all rates. I, I was trying to picture it as you were like hyping it up, but I just, I just cannot. I was like, 
one one haste for two no two two haste for three we have squee in the format now at at four mana i mean it's kind of okay but it's at five it's worse than a gold span dragon the flexibility is nice but i i don't think it's is, i feel like is this gold card's, is gold span still legal i don't think so no no i didn't think it was yeah i'm not seeing it i think you're getting baited by the mythic tag i might be getting baited by the mythic tag but i don't know you know yeah. they actually make mythic like they're usually actually worse than some of the riser g and as yeah. something cool they, they did recently is that it's not like oh the best cards are mythic and then so it's yeah. more like better for people's wallet i guess yeah not maybe really. yeah i i think this guy's i think this guy's good and okay. i think i think that people are gonna get five all that by this a lot all right we'll see i guess Oh, well, you can talk about your favorite card in the world, Squee. Yeah, Squee, Dubious Monarch. 2-2 two, two for red and 2, legendary creature, Goblin Noble. Haste. Whenever Squee attacks, create a 1-1 one, one red goblin token that's tapped and attacking. You may cast Squee from your graveyard by paying a red and free and exiling 4 other cards from your graveyard rather than paying its mana cost. So, Haste Fret... Turn free gives you an extra body and recursive brings back from the graveyard. I don't know. It's pretty, pretty straightforward card. I played a bit with Zeta. I was pretty impressed. Not much to say. I think I'll see play in standard, and I think it might see play in pioneer. I could see it being a you know a one of another card like kind of Crocs that gives you value in the late uh, game. You already have underdog and you have Crocs, yeah. so the three drop slots really heavily taxed in pioneer. In the red decks, like Bone Crusher Giant and Fable the Mirror Breaker, really just occupy a huge amount of space. Yeah, but I love I love it in standard. I think it's obviously really great in standard, and I kind of, I've always really had a soft spot for threats like this. Yeah, you might be right. It might not be good enough for even as a one for in Pioneer, but yeah, just I think it's going to be a pretty solid uh, card in standard. All right, well then that, that brings us onto the green cards, I think. Yep. And the first thing that Gab has put on the list that I've never that I didn't put on the list <laughs> is the hardest the hardest thing to pronounce in the world. Oh, Floriferous Vine Wall. Uh, one green, one colorless, zero two plant wall with Defender. It enters the battlefield. Look at the top six cards of your library. Remember, reveal a land card from them and put it in your hand, and the rest in the bottom of your library in any order. Right. So it's uh, one of one of my favorite cards of all time. Say the Wayfinder. But it doesn't. It's a better blocker, or a slightly better blocker. Uh, doesn't trade, and it doesn't fill up the graveyard. But it does look pretty deep for a land. Is there a reason you put this on the list? Mm, it's just kind of a cool card. It's actually it's probably a worse, probably a worse blocker. It doesn't block Ragavan. If it had that third point of toughness, it would have just taken over every format. But O2. I guess yeah. I guess they didn't want it. That'll be, my, that'll be my record if I ever sleep it up, I'm sure. See, six yards is a lot though, and yeah, I like that now with Triumph Cycling Lands, you you actually get value out of it in, in the late game when you're flooding. It's not like, oh, I get another land that's useless. So that part is nice. You know, it, it d digs to we were thinking maybe an Amulet Titan, it does dig really deep to the to the lands you'll need, but yeah. Uh... I might see a tiny bit of plain standard though. It may very well see a tiny bit of play. I'll let you take the next card, though. All right. Herd Migration. Seven mana sorcery, a green and six. 
has domain create a free free beast creature token for each basic land type among lands you control so up to five beasts and it also has a green and one discard herd migration search your library for basic land card reveal it put it into your hand then shuffle you gain free life so on turn two at instant speed you can discard that card to uh fix your mana a bit pad your life total later in the game I was playing that card in that Leer deck, so you can flash it back with Leer. That card looks pretty cool, you know, it's good early game, it does something early game and it's good for the late game. I think the rate might be a little too bad, it might be a little too expensive, and the, the discard part might be a little too underwhelming as well. But we'll see, might, might, see, might see playing standard, might not, might, might end up being a 4 of could be yeah. a one of might just not be good enough and not see play at all i i suspect this is probably a four of if it gets if if there's a deck for it in standard i think the this is the best basic land cycling i've ever seen you know, gain three life on your basic land cycler is sick um and the top of this is 15 power right like you're not going to play this unless it's 15 power and yeah yeah I, i'm really impressed with this card i it jumped out to me a little bit as well and we talked about it before the cast yeah i I'd be, this is a standard-only card, in my opinion, but I, I think it's a, a card that will be greatly impactful in standard as well. Yeah. If there is a domain deck. If a domain deck is good, this card is a part of a big part of it. Fair enough. All right, next card. Leaf Crown Visionary. Uh, legendary, oh, sorry, it's a creature, Elf Druid. It costs green, green, and it's a 1-1. One, one. Other Elves get plus one, plus one. And, more importantly, whenever you cast an Elf spell, if you do, you can play green... If you do draw a card, so sort of got a uh, glimpse through nature kind of effect stapled onto this elf lord. I imagine that you know in a com in formats where heritage druid is legal, this card's going to be a pretty sweet uh, addition. You know, it obviously boosts boosts power and gets get gets the damage in, but it also provides that kind of snowballing card advantage engine. Uh, don't think there's a critical mass for it as standard, but you know maybe in pioneer as well. There are eight elves in Pioneer available, or Lana War Elf style effects in Pioneer. Yeah, I could imagine Leaf Crown Visionary making some impact there. Yeah, I could maybe see it in Modern. The, the elf Modern deck is a thing; it's not played a ton, but yeah, like the yeah, just like Heritage Druid is a pretty, pretty, pretty critical component to this being successful, though, and yeah. Arch Druid as well. Yeah, it does line up a little worse against Ren and Six than the two others. The Goblin at least maybe replaces itself. And the blue one, you can count, use it to counter ran or at least play that at instant speed. So that that part's not so great, but it is it is a pretty push card. Yeah, I mean, all these lords are quite pushed actually. We didn't talk about the the white one or at all, but yeah, these ones are all. Yeah, the ones we have talked about are all really pushed. Yeah. Uh, next, we have Lanawar Loam Speaker. A green and one, one free elf druid, tap, add one mana of any color. And then it has a second ability, tap, target land you control becomes a free free elemental creature with haste until end of turn. It's still a land, activate only as a sorcery. I saw people play that card in standard. It seems fine. I feel like these two mana, pretty. I don't know, that seems fine, but maybe not so great. The stats are okay. The second ability doesn't seem that amazing. If you're playing a deck card in your deck, you're probably playing more of a mid-range strat, a little slower strat, and not being able to use the ability to actually block might be uh, a pretty big downside. 
I didn't even have that card on my list. I put it on my list because I I'd seen a lot of people talking about it, especially when it first got spoiled. It's kind of like, hey, this is a pretty powerful effect. Like this is sort of shorter shape, shape standard, uh, and I kind of wanted to push back on it a little bit. I I think that you know obviously the color fixing and the and the ramp is quite powerful, but the it's the power and the incentives in the format at the moment actually seem to be tied in nicely to like domain which this doesn't actually do very good fixing for like domain asks you to actually have basic land types and this just adds manner of any color so it doesn't help you with the domain so it really is kind of pigeonholed into kind of like you know maybe like red green monster style style deck or something like that and you know, yeah it probably it probably seems a bit the standard play for that and you know the extra bodies help there maybe ramping into a card like gyre or some other planeswalker that's that's in that's in what that, that you want to choose but yeah this doesn't seem like a massively massively powerful or, or defining effect given that the five color incentives seem to be domain based rather than uh you know just have a having access to the color mana yeah I, i'm not i don't think that card will see play that's my gut instinct. Without really thinking about, you know, which decks are good and standard, how where it would fit, etc. Right. Okay. Next card. That I find it and difficult to say, but it's Urborg Lurgoyf. Yeah, this is real a real mouthful. Um one green, one colorless creature Lurgoyf. It has a power and toughness of star and one plus star. Uh it has kicker one blue or kicker one black, or and or. So you can kick it two ways. And when it enters the battlefield, you mill three cards, so you're yourself three cards for each time it was kicked. And its power is equal to the number of creature cards in your graveyard, and its power is equal to the number of creatures, uh, and its toughness is equal to the number, that number plus one. So it's got the original kind of Lurgoyf, uh stats, but it helps you mill yourself. And I think on, on its surface, that's not good enough as a beta, but it is a graveyard enabler. And, you know, you think about, like, you know, crab vine decks or something like that like format is a lot to pay but it's the sort of thing where like maybe in pioneer there's like soul flare style decks and stuff that would benefit from it, you know, having some more self mill and also having a threat that kind of you know contributes to the beatdown plans and stuff like that yeah i feel like it's best used might just be playing it on turn two honestly and these decks just supplier into lorgoif into some more self-mail. My Lorgoth's already like five star or something. Um, yeah, if your deck's like all creatures, like this is a this is a pretty pretty sweet chain, pretty sweet meter. Chaining Lorgoth, Lorgoth into Lorgoth into Lorgoth, just a slight slight power creep. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of power creep, last green card is Tear Asunder. Green and one instant exile target artifact or enchantment. So straight up better naturalize, and it has kicker black and one. If the spell was kicked, exile target non-land permanent instead. So instant speed uh, vindicate by that exiles. I guess I guess other end, other end was was four mana. Yeah, other end. Yeah. I don't know. The, the rate the rate on that card is really good. I'm sure I'll see play somewhere. Um, Absolutely, yeah. I, I imagine <laughs> this is like a domain, a domain kind of staple. You probably get to play one copy or two copies in your main deck and answer troublesome, troublesome creatures and uh, uh, artifacts or enchantments for two mana, but then just have that universal spell in the mid to late game. Yeah, I guess it could maybe just be a sideboard card if there's not enough artifacts or enchantment. Even though Otteren was played in standard, that was a long time ago, and 
made it made it, the color combos a little different too so that'll have an impact but yeah if yeah you're in I, that... I mean if any other format wants naturalized like and they can make black mana they're gonna cast this card they put this card in the deck instead of naturalized i mean i guess like the seiju has kind of pushed out naturalized style effects from you know sideboard options because you just get to play one for free in your main but this is a powerful powerful enough kind of kicker ability that i imagine is going to see some solid standard play yeah and all right are we into the multicolor now we're kind of rounding onto the home stretch here yeah just a, the, the one green card we didn't, put, we didn't put on our list the world spell kind of the tooth and nail seven mana saga uh, you can go for it go all right on. all right i'll go for it real quick it's seven mana saga it has a read ahead ability where you can skip chapters the first Two chapters are the same. Look at the top seven cards of your library. You may reveal a non-Saga permanent card from among them and put them into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom. And the third one is put up to two non-Saga permanent cards from the from your hand onto the battlefield. So it has the the two Sinel ability card that's dear to my heart. And I think that card's honestly not, not bad. I think I, I I wouldn't be surprised if it saw a bit of play. Just maybe mostly just, you know, skipping straight ahead to the third chapter and putting some obscene cards in play, but also card advantage kind of, eh, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of okay. It's, it's a decent rate. It's obviously really expensive, but also powerful. Yeah. I don't know if the world has left tooth and nail behind, but, uh, this is, you know, it's got some, yeah, it, it's, it's a powerful and fun effect and I wouldn't be surprised to see people try it, particularly you. <laughs> All right. Okay, I'm doing the next one. Ajani, Sleeper Agent. So, Ajani Planeswalker costs one green, one white, one colorless, and then one Phyrexian hybrid mana of green-white. So, you can either pay a green, another green, another white, or you can pay two life. So, at its core, this is a three mana Planeswalker with four loyalty. Uh, its abilities are plus one, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature or planeswalker card, you can put it into your hand. Otherwise, you may put it on the bottom of your library. Uh, minus three, distribute three plus one plus one counters amongst up to three target creatures. Uh, they gain vigilance until end of turn. And then minus six, you get an emblem that says whenever you cast a creature or planeswalker spell, target opponent gets two poison counters. And it starts at four loyalty. I think it's really good. I don't know about you. I, I think you know, it reminds me of Domrirad on its surface. Uh, you know, three mana planeswalker, high loyalty, card advantage. You know, well, kind of, you know, draws like half a card a turn or like 0.75% of a card a turn with its plus one ability. Uh, the minus three ability lets you kind of like, you know, build your board up, uh, push for more damage. And the emblem is really achievable in this as well. Like, you know, you think about it, it goes, comes into play at four, ticks up to five immediately, ticks up to six in the next turn, and then the next... The third on the third turn it's in play, you can minus six and give them an emblem, which if your opponent's playing control, they just can't possibly really beat. You know, whenever you cast I mean, an instant or instant, a creature or planeswalker, they get two poison. I think I have to stop you there. I think it's a four mana planeswalker, and if you pay the life and you only played for free, it comes into play with two counters. Ah, I've completely missed the completed uh clause. Okay, so it reduces the number of loyalty counters. My apologies. Okay, right. So it's less that's less powerful than I expected it's been in. Okay, I, I, I'm less high on this card. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even have that card on my list. I think it's it's not good enough. Thank uh, you, for, thank you for stopping me. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I, I should have maybe stopped you a bit sooner. Oh no, no, it's fine. Let me go. Ahead. It's okay. I was double checking. I was actually rereading completed like four times to make sure. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, I just saw it was hybrid mana. I just assumed it was minus two. This is two life. But yeah, okay, right. So it doesn't... So it's... Yeah, so you can't minus it immediately when you put it into play. And it takes a long time to get to its ultimate. Okay, yeah, this is this is much less good than I thought. But it still reminds <laughs> me of Dommy right on the surface. Maybe it sees some standard play. Maybe. All right. Maybe. Yeah, this one is good. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, next you had Astor Beer of Blades. 4-4 four, for four, white, red, and two. Legendary creature, human warrior. When it enters a battlefield, look at the top seven cards of your library. You may reveal an equipment or vehicle card from among them and put into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom. And it has equipment you control have equip one. Vehicles you control have crew one. I'll uh, I'll let you go because I couldn't really think of much with that card. No worries. Well, I had a false start last time, so I'll, I'll talk about this card instead. Um, I've played against Pioneer Hammer Time a couple of times. You know, Cigar Disease Legal, those uh, Colossus Hammer. This is a card that kind of contributes to that, that archetype. Uh, it tutors, semi-tutors for an equipment. It reduces the equipment cost. It has a real reasonable size body on its surface by itself. I can imagine it seeing some amount of play in, in a Hammer Time deck in non-modern formats. That's the only thing I wanted to flag with this. Yeah, I've actually played some white red decks in, I believe, maybe Historic even in, in Arena, Historic. And they were not not great, but they were they were somewhat competitive and could do pretty pretty dumb things with the double strike creatures. So I could I could see it. Yeah, I mean I guess if you think about modern modern hammer time has multiple things that let you go to hammer, like so you have uh Stoneforge Mystic and other saga that let you tutor for hammer, and you have things that reduce equipment costs in Cigar Dade and Pure Steel Paladin and, and so that, that redundancy is really where a lot of the power of the deck's baked in. And so this just provides that level of redundancy to the pioneer version of that deck or or explorer or historic version of the deck. So yeah, that's just why I thought it was worth worth, worth bringing up at the very least. Yeah, I, I could see it at least good enough for to 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 give these decks a try and, and play a bit with that card. Um, next, I guess we're snobbing Urtai Resurrected, which was a card people were bringing up a decent bit. It's kind of the new Frail Mystic. I, I don't think it's that great. It does to dice to cut down. It's a free two for four flash. When it tenders the battlefield, you choose up to one counter target spell activated ability or triggered ability. Its controller draws a card. Or destroy another target creature or planeswalker. It controls, draws a card. So it is. It is kind of, you know, board advantage, I guess. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't read it as killing a planeswalker as well. It's got a lot of text on it. Yeah, I think that card's maybe better than I gave it credit uh, for at first. I was like, well, Frill Mystic was decent, but this does kind of the same thing except to draw a card. Much easier to cast this in front Yeah, mystic. yeah, much easier to cast in, in some, I guess, quote-unquote, good colors. Um, maybe especially for that kind of effect. And the, the versatility is, is pretty huge. Yeah, so, I can imagine this being a standard player. Yeah, me too. Uh, we have next Joda the Unifier, which I didn't give a second look at at first, and then I got paired against it. I played it against it on, on, on the early access event. And as it kind of stopped me the first time, it's a five, five, four, five, one of each color, legendary creature, human wizards. And it has 
the following text. Legendary creatures you control get plus X plus X, where X is the number of legendary creatures you control. So including itself, so it's minimum is 6-6, six, six, right? And whenever you cast a legendary spell from your hand, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a legendary no-man card with lesser mana value. You may cast that card without paying its mana cost, put the rest on the bottom. So it has built-in cascade for, it gives cascade to all your legendary spells. I got paired against a, just five color human decks was a lot of legends and it was like super impressive. But I mean, it's got a lot of legend yeah. related text on it. I just can't for the life of me piece together like what legends are available. But then you you know you describe the kind of five color humans decks in like a format like Pioneer. Like I've played against Pioneer humans and it's been a kind of deck that's doing reasonably well lately. I can imagine this being some some kind of top end for that deck. Yeah, the cascade effect is no is no joke, but yeah, there's, there's, there actually is a critical mass of of human legends, right? Like there, there's just so many at all slots on the curve. Yeah, there's a decent bit. Thalia is legal. There's a one drop you can play. There's a card we're not. There's a, there's a one drop, is there? Yeah, I think there's a one one blue one drop. Uh, there's King Darian, which is a card in the set to um, white and green. Yeah, so you think it's a sta standard applicable, or maybe even maybe even older formats. Maybe maybe all of Chromas, maybe Pioneer, yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. With all the you know, all the lands that have been printing, it's pretty trivial to cast. I yeah, think. I was gonna say there's a lot of these kind of like five color cavern of soul style lands now. Yeah. Right, last last card in our multicolor section is Soul of Wind Grace, which I'm gonna have to read because it wasn't on my list. It is uh four mana four five four legendary cat avatar. Um it's uh, one and then the black, red, and the green, so one in uh, John colors. Okay, enters the battlefield or attacks, you may put a land card from your graveyard onto the battlefield, tap under your control. Okay, fine, that's its that's its kind of engine. Uh, pay one green, discard a land card, gain three life. Pay one red, one colorless, discard a land card, draw a card. Play one, one black, two colorless, discard a land card, it, Soul of Wind Grace is indestructible until end of turn, tap it. Right, okay. So this is immediate card advantage on a solid body. Um, it fuels its own kind of like it's all it ramps you slash kind of like reuses its resources. Like you discard lands and then bring them back when it attacks. Yeah, I, I think I mean I can't imagine this being good outside of standard, but you know, these domain decks are going to need you know powerful cards to cast, and this is a powerful card to cast that kind of fits in nicely with like triumphs, a cycle, go to the graveyard, and yeah. I, I like that this like gives you a bit of staying power, right? Like you can just put this into play, discard some land, gain some life to kind of like stabilize and you know, cycle lands away to draw cards. Yeah, this is really really quite an interesting card. Yeah, there's that cycle of lands in standard. They're kind of like evolving walls. They instantly sack when you play them and you get a basic. Oh, the hideouts. Yeah, the hideouts or hideaways or something, yeah. Yeah, they're like, you know, free color kind of evolving walls, but the upside is that you gain a life. So might might need a little deck building tweaking when you play Soul of Wind Grace. You can obviously get back lands you discarded with Fable. That's natural curve as well. Um, I'm not sure it's it's the greatest. It is a good way to recycle extra land in was Ren and Six, right? You've got the one of the problem was the John Ren and Six deck in modern is that 
the red and six can be a little underwhelming because you don't have Omnath in your deck, so you're not really getting a ton of value out of all these extra lands you're getting back. And Soul of Wind Grace could be a reasonable top end for um, these decks. I'm hoping. I mean, Cat Avatar is pretty decent. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I completely agree. I'm, I'm, I'm. I forgot about those lands in the streets in New Capenna. That could, that could be really, really quite important in, in this, this thing's power. Like having, having lands that naturally get into the graveyard to just make sure on turn four you get to ramp yourself. That's kind of sick. Yeah. All right. Last Next cards. Or oh, no, not last card. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you last, want to do it? Last non-land card. Now go ahead. All right, fine. This is this is this is kind of my one of my favorite cards from the set. Actually, it's Khan Silex. It's a three mana legendary artifact. And is a battlefield tapped. Players can't pay life to cast spells or activate abilities that aren't mana abilities. And then it's X tap, exile Khan Silex. Destroy each non-land permanent with mana value X or less. Activate only as a sorcery. So this is basically pernicious deed. Uh, it kind of reads a little bit like Evan Rolls disc. Uh, I think this is a pretty impactful card in the format like Pioneer. And I'm trying to think of like ways that the the uh, kind of static ability where payers can't pay life or cast spells, can't pay life to cast spells or activate abilities is going to come up. But I'm sure there are plenty of situations. I mean, if you think about it in the format like modern, it means you can't sacrifice fetch lands, right? Um, they they obviously aren't, aren't aren't available in Pioneer, but there's a lot there's a lot going on with this card, and it's all stapled to a colorless pernicious deed, which you know is surely something that can see play. Yeah, it, it is sorcery speed pernicious deed, so that part not great, and I feel like card like pernicious deed probably got power corrupt anyways. So yeah, I mean I'm they printed sold. They printed Nevenrail's disc in modern uh, recently, and it saw zero play, but. I think for formats like percent standard and pioneer, it's not necessarily uh, the formats aren't necessarily fast enough that this is uh, a bad option. It's yeah. colorless as well. Colorless, colorless sweepers are, uh, are particularly powerful. I think just giving any any color access to this, it, it could be a good target post board in uh, the the Nykthos devotion decks. Like you could sweep away small creatures, keep your planeswalkers and stuff like that. Get it off Khan, great creator. Yeah, there's, there's there's these sort of options available as well. It yeah. is Khan Silex after all. I'm not super sold. Okay, that's fine. The yeah. last cards, I yeah. guess, uh, Painlands. Yeah, they they're bringing back the the Ice Age Painlands. The yes. arts are not as good, but no, the the they aren't as good. <laughs> yeah, and and the and the the cards probably aren't gonna be as good, honestly. But you got it. A uh, white, white, blue one, a darker waste, Caves of Coilos, which is a white, black one. You've got Sulphurous Spring, which is a red, black one, Carplusen Forest, which is a red, green one, and Shivan Reef, which is the the, the blue, red one. And yeah, Painlands, they tap for colorless. Yavimea, there's also Yavimea Coast. Oh, Yavimea Coast as well. My bad. Yeah, yeah they tap for colorless or they tap for colored mana and you they deal one damage to you when you tab them for colored mana i've been thinking actually and i was not really playing these cards in my standard decks even my three color plus uh, standard decks during early access maybe a couple here and there but you have triumphs you have the um, kind of check lands the, the one that come and play on tapped if you have three lands or more 
and I think that these are going to be a little better overall. It is nice that they come into play untapped on turn two, which is not the case neither for Triumphs nor for that cycle of you know deserted beach, etc. So that that's the upside, but you you're usually gonna want to play you know at least a few basics and usually the the one legendary land in your in your color the the Boseju cycle, and that doesn't necessarily leave a ton ton of room for. Uh, the, the pain land I also played blue white in pioneer today and i didn't feel like adder carways would be better than deserted beach or pathways i didn't even try them just for the sake of it so i don't think i'm i'm gonna i don't think they're gonna see a ton of play but maybe in, in very specific decks maybe aggressive decks where you want a ton of dual lands that come into play on tap at all the spots in the curve yeah, I think that you hit the nail on the head. These are really enabling aggressive decks more than they're enabling kind of, you know, slow decks where the damage, you know, can actually start to matter. Um, I think the most important thing they're doing is they're evening up the, the color imbalance or the color pair imbalance in Pioneer where actually these lands have been legal in Pioneer. The, out, the enemy colored ones have been legal in Pioneer for, since the format's inception because they're in Magic Origins. And also... There's been there's the off color fast lands as well, like the botanical sanctum and stuff like that. They've all, they're also legal in Pioneer, but there's the allied color support has been really lacking, and so having access to the allied color ones, we're going to get the rest of the cycle in a later set, uh, probably the next set. I, I, I expect to, to round that out. It just just means that you're kind of your your mana, your mana base uh, can you can play come good fixing in your um in your Pioneer decks, particularly your allied color aggressive decks. Um, yeah, it's 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 hard to justify playing kind of all the kind of glacial fortress style lands. The deserted beaches don't work very well um, if, if you're trying to like curve out, you know, cast two drops reliably from multiple different colors. And these just let you do that. I mean, the cost does start to add up if you put a lot of them in your deck, but a lot of decks don't care. The other thing they do is they enable Eldrazi decks uh, pretty well because they tap for colorless mana and you know explicit explicit colorless mana, and so. You know that that enables kind of you know the playing of kind of you know multicolor Eldrazi decks like you're less reliant on trying to find like you know put wastes in your deck or like you know the deserts and stuff like that. You can actually cast multiple multicolor spells. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of deck building implications in a format like Pioneer for the addition of these paint lands to the format. And what was the last thing I was going to say? Yeah, I, I, if I just think about the sort of decks that they do enable, though, like. Uh, you know, blue white spirits or blue white flyers in, in in Pioneer has like not had great mana up until now, and you know Attica Waste really adds to that. Uh, I can you know bad company again, and another 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 deck that doesn't have spectacular mana, uh, you know, and Painland slot right into that th those sort of shells as well, where you're kind of you're not really your life total is never really under threat, and you're putting the pressure on, but you just need to make sure that you're curving out and casting your spells reliably. So yeah. Not uh, these are an innocuous addition to a format like Pioneer, but they're very, very quite quite powerful. But they're not kind of a universal thing that you should be putting in your blue eye control deck necessarily. Yeah, there was actually one more land I want to talk about. It was played against okay. me, and it it seemed kind of decent. And if if Joda is going to see play that card, probably going to see play as well. It's Plaza of Heroes. It's oh, a yeah. land. It taps for colorless. It taps for a mana of any color, only to cast legendary spells. And it also taps for any color among legendary permanents you control. 
and it has a force ability which is free tap exile it target legendary creature gain sex proof and indestructible until end of turn so it's just perfect for that that joda deck with a bunch of legendary creatures and it has a nice little effect that's definitely relevant in a late game that protects your creatures yeah this is a, a nice a nice enabler for these like multicolor legend decks yeah it's also not legendary which is nice yeah that does help doesn't it <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we 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 made it. I'm not sure how we long did. we've been recording for, but just under two hours. Wow, yeah, you did call it. I actually yeah. had laundry that beep while uh, we're recording. I'm gonna probably gonna be like all of mildewy, gonna have to run it back or something. But yeah, that was <laughs> it doesn't get mildewy that fast. Yeah, yeah, that was that's quite the 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 app. We have kind of a top. I think I mentioned it for standard. I feel like Shieldred was the card that impressed me most. It was like, I had a top five for standard. I wrote down. I'm not sure how, how right, accurate so is... it is, obviously, but. All right, I'm going to rattle off my top five for standard very quickly. I also have Shieldred at number one, but I also have Jaya, Liliana, Cutdown, and Shivan Devastator. <laughs> I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Wow, Shivan you really are. I yeah, really am. Yeah, my top five was. Number one at Shieldred, then at Squee, at Cutdown at three, Liliana at four, and actually joint exploration at five. Little, little Ooh, gamble there. Yes. Very good. Yeah. Right, so in Pioneer, I've got Lily, Painlands, Aether Channeler, Khan Silex, and Braids as my like most impactful cards for the set. I'm not sure for Pioneer, honestly. I might just have uh, I might just go with with Shieldred and Shieldred again somehow. I, I don't know. I don't I don't feel like I forget now. It's, it's, it's been a long episode. Pioneer is kind of the most like vague format for me. It's the, the one that, you know, I mean, standard is a little more straightforward. Modern, I've played a ton, and Pioneer is kind of like a little more of a gray area. Right. Well, then there wasn't a huge amount on my list for for Modern other than like some of the Lords, like Merfolk Lord, Goblin Lord. Um, Leyline Binding, I think, is probably the most important, most impactful card that's not like, you know, a kind of tribal focused thing in modern. Uh, and then I've also got temporary lockdown on my list. Yeah. I had the same card that maybe Sarah Paragon. I want to believe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think believing in Sarah Paragon is just fine. You can, I can believe in Shiv and Devastator and Sand. You can believe in Sarah Paragon oh, in modern. Deal. Deal, deal, deal. All right. Right. I think I've been no life on the line or anything like that in this, uh, yeah. In, in in after episode like this, um, but we'll just like maybe we should wrap up. Um, thanks again for the sponsor card market. Thanks again for everyone for listening. Gab, where on the internet can we find you? Yeah, you can uh, find me. Shout out to Canister. You can find me hopefully playing the uh, No Boundless Modern Canister oh, right. tournament on Sunday. Oh, do you want to do you want to you want to just give a little bit of, a little bit of context for that? Then I played a tiny bit today. Tried a. Uh, Fedex and so far Hogax seemed like the best thing to do, but I'll just keep... just 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 to start at the beginning though, Canis is running a kind of open no no bandless modern tournament on Magic Online. Is that yeah. right? So, yeah, just so, you know you... free free to sign up, like are there are there prizes? I don't think it's free to sign up. I think you need to either be a canister sub or maybe pay a fee. I'm a, yeah, I'm, a right, proud, yeah. I'm a proud I'm a proud member of the canister register, so I get to play for free. But there nice. are some some pretty good prizes. I think some Magic Online cards, cards like Endurance, Force of Negation, etc. I know Canister yeah. putting up some of the prize pool. 
think McQueen sauce for in a few cars. I might throw in some some so, uh, something too. And, and, and presumably it's being streamed, right? It's being streamed, and Cancer is doing commentary. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, and so that's think, a, that's this Saturday. Yeah, Yendrix registered. I think Aspiring Spikes registered. You can find the details either on Canister Stream or on MTG Melee somewhere, maybe. The, the turnaround was run through MTG Melee, so it'll be open deck list, which is kind of kind of a big deal, you know, something like a deck that's really stuff to Chalice of the Void, and all of a sudden your opponent knows they should be mulligan to their Chalice of the Void, stuff like that is, you know, maybe maybe people end up playing Leyline of the Void in the main deck. Yeah. Uh, same deal, so we'll see. I'm not sure it's the greatest format gameplay-wise, but it's always cool to just Kind of a one-off, yeah. you know. What way, what way are you leaning? Uh, I don't know. Right now, if I had to, to, to register something, now I'd, I'd register a Hogak deck. Yeah, I mean, that deck was really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's some absolute bangers on that band list, yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to watching that, actually, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, you can find we can find you watching, uh, participating in this tournament. You can probably find me in Twitch chat watching the coverage of it on, on Ganis' channel. And... Thanks very much for making it all the way this far in the episode. Have a good evening, everybody. See you later. Yeah, have have a great week. Take care, everyone.